Anyone else into memes? Anybody? All right. Hey, my people over here. All right. I like you guys too. That's all good. Uh, this is uh, one of those memes that's like labeled, this is fine, if you've ever seen this before. And it's like, uh, you know, there's this dog here chilling and it's like drinking his coffee, but there's fire everywhere. This is fine. And so I think that's a good way to start uh, not thinking about 2020. What do you think? So uh, <laughs> I love this meme. I think it's hilarious. Today, we're going to talk about getting back to the normal or something like that, okay? And let me just say this too. If we've never met before, my name is Steve, one of the pastors at the church here, and I uh, would love to meet with you. If I have never had a chance to meet with you before, I'll be hanging out in the cafe afterwards. But uh, I'm excited about this, this weekend, because this weekend we're just doing kind of, um, we usually at our church, we do different uh, sermon series. And so today is just this one-off for today. So uh, new one coming up next week. Hope to see you then. But for this weekend, we're gonna talk about back to normal. So, what are we talking about when we say back to normal? I think uh, many of us, uh, maybe, maybe you or someone you know, have asked uh, the question or demanded the answer to the question of when are things going to get back to normal? Anybody? Anybody think that or heard that before? Yes, a lot of times. Okay. Well, we have, we, a lot of us have different reasons for asking that question. Uh, for some of us, we just can't think of another year of being on Zoom meetings or another year of wearing masks or whatever it is. Or maybe for some of you, you're like, I just want to meet with my family again safely and not have to worry about something that uh, affects my body uh, maybe differently than other people. And so we all have different reasons uh, for asking or pondering that question. Um, and whether that question is annoying to you or, or a valid one to bring up, I think it's on our minds. I think it's worth thinking through. And it's actually uh, kind of humorous uh, that I'm talking about back to normal. If you know me, uh, I tend to stray away from anything normal, so we'll see how this goes. It'll be interesting for everybody. But the fun thing is that, like, it's called back to normal, but I actually don't want to talk about getting back to, like, everyday life as we knew it pre-2020. What I'm really concerned about talking about, what I'd love for us to get into, is talking about how do we get back to the normal Christian life, okay? How do we get back to the normal Christian life. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what does that look like to get back, not just to normal, wherever that is, but to the normal Christian life? If you're, if you're here, you're not following after Christ, maybe you're just investigating, just checking it out. Thanks for joining us. Uh, maybe for you, it's like seeing a glimpse of what the normal Christian life ought to look like. And so for starters, uh, just to say right off the bat that the normal Christian life is actually nothing normal at all. <laughs> it's not normal. Um, during our Christmas services, uh, I was hanging out in the green room talking to a good friend of mine uh, about this message, actually, and he said something interesting that I had to write down. He said, yeah, normal broke in Genesis 3. I just love that, that quick thing that he said there. Normal broke in Genesis 3. If you're not familiar with the Genesis story, uh, in Genesis 3 is when we see that a couple chapters go by and God has made some things. He's made people and it was good. He's made the world and animals and everything. But Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve, man, we decided to rebel against God. And so that changed everything. Normal broke back in Genesis 3. The, the normal that God had created is now not normal for us. And so now with humanity, with us, we make up our own normals. And a lot of times that normal can be void of God even. And so then following God becomes not normal. I mean, think about it. Believing in a God who is also three persons, uh, turns out it's not normal, <laughs> right? Uh, living your life not for yourself, but for Jesus and for others, it's not normal. Praying and 
Selflessly giving yourself to uh, others in different ways is not normal. Sacrificially giving, not normal. Telling people that, hey, this guy named Jesus came down to live with us. He died for you, and uh, he wants you to have a relationship with you because he, he raised again. Uh, it turns out that's not normal, okay? So the Christian life is not normal. Well, what is the Christian life then? What is the normal Christian life? What does that look like? And I kind of want to give a glimpse of some of that this weekend today for us. So, because there's many aspects to this. Like, it was really kind of a struggle for me. I'm like, man, there's so much we could talk about in the Bible and the scriptures to what the normal Christian, looks like, Christian life looks like, but I only have like 35 minutes. I'm told I only have like 20 because there's a game happening tonight. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but here's some supplemental reading for you all, okay? So I've been really uh, into Watchman Nee again lately. I get in these spurts where, do you ever get like the author that you really like and you're like, man, I haven't read them in a while? Well, I'm like on a Watchman Nee kick lately. And so this is... Um, he was actually a guy from the 60s, a Chinese man who um, was a martyr, uh, and uh, he died for his faith, but he also wrote a ton of books. And so I would encourage you to check out Watch Me if you haven't. He's got a book called The Normal Christian Life, and I love this book so much. It was a book that I'm like, man, I wonder if I can do this in 30 minutes, but I couldn't, so I'm going to just tell you to read it. So put that on your 2021 reading list. Here's a glimpse of it in the first uh, chapter. He says this, that the Apostle Paul gives us his own definition of the Christian life in Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I, but Christ. Here, he is not stating something special or peculiar, like a high level of Christianity. He is, we believe, presenting God's normal for a Christian, which can be summarized in these words, I live no longer, but Christ lives his life in me. Okay, so Watchman Nee is pulling from Paul and Galatians saying, yeah, what's a normal Christian life like? It's actually not living for yourself. It's living for God. It's living for Jesus in those things, which turns out is not normal. It's hard. We stray from it um, often. Okay, so put that on your reading list. Watch many, the normal Christian life. Um, like I said, we're not going to get into that or Galatians. I just thought it was good enough to mention. So there you go. But today, we're in 2 Timothy, as Patrick has read for us. So if you haven't gotten there yet, I would encourage you to get to 2 Timothy. And honestly, I wanted to read the whole entire letter. This is a letter that this guy, Paul, who we just talked about, wrote to his disciple, to this guy who was mentoring Timothy. And the, the whole letter is just great. It's just a great letter to read, especially in this time. And so here's another piece of homework. Get the Watchman ebook because it's awesome. Or bar, I think we have it in our library. And then uh, read 2 Timothy, all of it, because I didn't have time to do it today. So we're just going to pick out 13 verses and talk about that. So give you some context. This actually, actually, Paul, his name was Saul, okay, at first. So when we see him in the Bible, uh, his name is Saul around the time of Jesus, uh, and he put a lot of followers of Jesus in jail, and he was uh, responsible for getting a lot of followers of Jesus uh, killed. And so what happens is that Jesus got a hold of him, and Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to change your whole normal. Uh, things are going to be different for you. You're, in fact, your name is going to be Paul now, not Saul, and you're going to build my church. You're going to do things with uh, telling people about Jesus. So Paul goes from this guy who is persecuting the church and imprisoning people to himself being persecuted and being imprisoned for his faith now in Jesus. And so he's sharing his faith with everybody when he was you know, trying to go after those people. And so his whole normal totally changed. And so we see him write this letter to Timothy. It's actually the second letter, that obviously, Second Timothy, that he wrote. And uh, Paul, he's in jail once again as he's writing this letter. And, but this time, it's going to be his last letter. And we're we know from tradition that Paul was beheaded in Rome uh, kind of shortly after writing this letter. 
So Paul, he's towards the end of his life. He's anticipating that death is coming. And he's like, I got some things to say to Timothy and to the churches and to us today even. And so in these 13 verses, what we're gonna do, just give you a little bit of a roadmap because it's kind of a lot. I'm not gonna lie, all right? We'll, we'll let it drain, okay? But we're gonna get fire hose for a little bit here because that's how I roll, I guess. But we're gonna look at 13 verses and we're gonna pull out six different points on these verses. Sound good? Makes sense? Okay, all right. One person is following, I love it. All right, so the way we're gonna do that is we're gonna say, Paul is talking about not just getting back to normal life, but for us, what does it look like to get back to the normal Christian life? It looks like getting back to these things. And I'm gonna list these things out here. And the first one is getting back to discipleship. Getting back to discipleship. Let's read this again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay, there's this concept that I see right here of discipleship. Maybe you've heard of it before. Maybe you've defined it differently. The way that we define it at our campus is simply following Jesus. Okay, so when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about what does your personal relationship with Jesus look like? How does that look? What are your practices? How are you modeling your life after Christ? How are you following him in these ways? And I love what he says here. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying that, man, uh, the normal Christian life takes strength and it takes endurance. It takes not just strength and endurance in yourself and in your own abilities, but in Jesus' strength and his endurance and his abilities and his grace. Okay, so it's, first of all, it's there. And that kind of goes back to that Galatians thing we said earlier. It's not me, it's Christ living in me. It takes Jesus' strength. Paul elsewhere, elsewhere recalls Jesus' words in 2 Corinthians, and he says, Jesus' grace is sufficient, and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So in our weakness, we are made strong because of Jesus and because of his grace. So in the Christian life, our strength is found in our discipleship, it's found in how much are we willing to follow after Jesus with our entire lives, not just the weekend, not just a life group or when it feels good for us, but what does our entire life look like? Is it following after him? Is it allowing his life to be in us? And because the Christian life isn't meant to be like a spectator sport, it's not meant to be alone, um, you're not meant to do this alone, I think that's why he goes right in to say that then when we look at our discipleship, when we look at the way that we're following Christ, the good and the bad, we are also supposed to teach that and trust that to other people that can also teach others to do discipleship as well. And this concept here of discipleship, it, it's not normal. For a lot of us, it's not our normal mindset. For a lot of us, maybe we would rather give um, our time, our resources, and our energy to our own ambitions, to our own goals, and a lot of that's fine and good. But sometimes we're like, well, who's got time for building the others? I got my own thing going on. But we see Jesus' example. He comes down, is with us, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna invest in these people, and then I want you in return to invest in others. And Paul picks it up too. He's like, yeah, in your discipleship, invest that into other people so that they can teach others. And I'll tell you what, when we do this, we get the joy, the emotions, and the deepness of learning more about Jesus together in ways that we cannot do on our, on our own or alone. 
This is like my story. I mean, uh, maybe you've maybe, maybe heard my story before, but like just real quick, like discipleship is huge in my growth. Um, seeing other people come to know Jesus and that excitement, that seeing that happening and seeing people's normal being changed and their lives being changed and then having other men build into me and trust that message into me. And then I want to do the same and entrust that message into others. There's a lot of joy in that. And there's deepness in relationship with Christ and others when we engage in that. So the question for us, are we getting back to discipleship? As we think about new year, new goals, new whatever, not just get back to normal, but are we getting back to discipleship? That may be abnormal for you in your rhythm. But are we entrusting the gospel to others? Are we imitating Jesus in teaching and modeling his ways to others? It's so easy to drift from this. It's easy uh, to see other people um, that might be better at uh, relationships, better at knowing the scriptures, praying, or whatever else, and saying, well, that, they can do that. Those people can do that. But I think God is calling those that would follow Jesus, all of us, to do this. And Paul is saying, man, my last letter, my thing I want you to do, be strong in Jesus, but entrust that message to others, okay? So getting back to discipleship. The next one here, we'll see this concept, I wanna call it getting back to allegiance, getting back to allegiance. Now this might be not, not a word that we all use too often, but let's consider that. Where is our allegiance in? Who do we give our allegiance to? It might sound weird, but that word, it's been resonating with me for quite some time. Um, when we think of allegiance, maybe you think of your loyalty, your commitment, your obedience, your devotion, and your bond. And so where is that allegiance at? And Paul will say this, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So he gets into this analogy of a soldier, but before that he's saying, join me in my suffering. Like, wait, suffering? What's going on here? You're just talking about like, Get, get with God's grace and trust this message to others. And oh, by the way, like join me in suffering. Like that sounds great. But Paul, he, he actually talks about suffering quite a bit. And he asks us to join in on that. See, it's easy to follow Jesus when it's convenient for us. It's easy to follow Jesus when, um, when it's good for us. And a lot of times we're told like, man, if you come to follow Jesus, like he will change your life and your life will be so good and great. And that is true. That is true. But the reality is, there will be hardships. There will be suffering when you follow after Jesus. There just will. It, it, he's just so different than what everything else wants us to do or think. And so, yeah, there will be suffering. There will be hardship. And Paul says, don't get away from that. Join in me on that. Now, um, suffering, when we think about suffering, when I do, something about suffering in this way is that I don't think you allow yourself to suffer unless you're like really committed to something. Like why else would Paul go from like a distributor of suffering to others to then re the receiver of suffering? He, he went from, I'm gonna put these people in jail, I'm gonna have these people killed, all of that, I'm gonna make these people suffer for their faith in Jesus, to getting changed and saying, I am now gonna suffer for the sake of the gospel. It's commitment. So for us, are, are we willing to voluntarily join in on the hardships or the suffering that could come with following after Jesus and pursuing the normal Christian life? Why would we do that? I would say this. It's because Jesus was willing to do that. It's because Jesus was willing to endure and to suffer for you and for me. 
Jesus was committed. He, he put his allegiance into the Father. He came down to us, dwelt with us, took beatings and reviling for us, and ultimately took on death for us. And he promised that suffering would happen. He promised that if you follow in his footsteps, a lot of the same things would happen for you. Okay, well then Paul, he relates this to the soldier mentality. So think about that. A soldier that is enlisted and is, in, is operating within their commanding, their commanding officer's orders is resolute in serving um, and willing to be locked into the mission that is given to them. And so he says with that mission in mind, we don't need to get ourselves entangled in civilian affairs. He says when we put our allegiance into God and to Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So think about that for a second. I don't think what Paul is saying here is that we don't concern ourselves with like going to work or paying bills or doing normal life things. Like that's just, that, that's just silly. Like he's not saying that. We, we definitely do all those things. We, we should be working in the marketplace or wherever. We should be paying our bills and all these things. But what he's saying here is don't get entangled in the affairs. Um, other translations like ESV says don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. I kind of like that better. It's like don't get... Per- um, don't get yourself caught up in the pursuits or the passions of things outside of the will, the passion, and desire of Jesus. Who's our allegiance to? Is it Jesus? Is it to this other thing? Do we entangle ourselves? Do we allow ourselves to get wrapped up in civilian pursuits and passions and lusts like he's talking about? Put another way, way what distractions do we allow to interfere with our allegiance to Jesus? What do we allow to distract us in favor of reading the Bible? What, what has distracted us? We have um, great, uh, you know, things that we want to do. We want to read the scripture. We want to be people of prayer. We want to follow after Jesus. But what's distracting us? What's distracting us from praying? What's distracting us from discipling others, from discipling your kids, from being part of biblical community? I like the way C.S. Lewis puts it. Uh, he says it kind of a different way. And it's kind of brash, but I'm kind of into that. So let's see what he says. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased." It's an interesting statement. Like, I'm just thinking about that in my own life. I am far too easily pleased. I say I put my allegiance into Jesus, but then something else comes along and I'm far too easily pleased with something else. And so that makes me think, are, are we far too easily pleased by other things? If something becomes a distraction to our allegiance in Jesus, then what are we gonna do about it? What will I reprioritize to get back to allegiance in Jesus? Maybe doing that is gonna bring you some hardship and some suffering, and are we okay with that? Can we be okay with that? So, back to allegiance. All right, next up here. We're just scooting scooting on through here. So, we said back to discipleship, back to allegiance. Let's talk about this concept of back to training. So, Paul's gonna give us another analogy here. So, he says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. 
I love how it seems like Paul is just really straightforward here. If you read other uh, letters by Paul, you're kind of like trying to figure out what he's talking about. But I love it here. He's just like, yeah, it's kind of like an athlete. So you, you might not be able to tell, but I'm not an athlete. I, I've never been very athletic, okay? But it, it's still easy enough for me to look and see like, okay, that makes sense. You know, I, I know that like, um, even though I'm not athletic personally, I get that if you want to compete and do well, uh, you, you don't just do it naturally, right? Uh, without training or without knowledge of the rules or what you ought to do, right? Take anything, like running a marathon. Uh, maybe some people do. They just, they just run it, right? But as far as I'm concerned, it takes training. It takes knowing how to train your body to actually do that and to, to compete in that way. And so for us, part of our getting back to the normal Christian life is knowing, knowing the rules, being trained, understanding what that looks like, understanding the goal, and all these things. And if you're like me, when you see rules, you kind of get uh, cringy. You're like, oh yeah, you, you're telling me, to, well, that's why I said back to training. I think training is a big part of this. And I think um, sometimes when we look at rules, we get caught up in like, well, Christianity is not about rules. And, and it's not. It's about relationship. However, there are certainly rules in the Bible. There's a ton of them. And so why would we even follow them? Well, it would be because of our love of Jesus, hopefully. And we don't follow the rules to get to Jesus. We follow the rules because we have Jesus. And so we gotta learn what that looks like. We gotta be trained in that. I mean, think about it this way. Do we, do we compete um, according to uh, the rules or do we end up making our own rules? I know if you're like me, I, I prefer making up my own rules, especially when it comes to anything. But like with Christianity, it's like, man, if I could just make up my own rules, if I can follow Jesus and kind of do this other thing, that would be great. But that, that's just separate from that allegiance mentality. That's separate from that discipleship. That, that's not the normal Christian life. So this is why I get back to training. And so for some of us, maybe we're burnt out by rules of Christianity, and that, if that's you, I would say, well, you gotta get back to discipleship first, okay? But then at some point, we do need trained. We need trained in knowing what the scriptures say, knowing what God wants for us in this normal Christian life. And that's a big uh, focus of our campus, that's why we do things like Discovery, where we say, hey, if you're new around here, you should check out Discovery. What's Discovery about? Well, we have intro, you get to know Pastor Tony, our campus pastor, and then you get to do this thing called Equip, because we want to train and equip people to know what it's like to follow Jesus, to live for him, and to give that message away. And so we do that training. We also have Equipping Division. Many of you have done Equipping Division uh, with us, and so we're like, hey, let's get to know what does the Bible say and what Christians should believe. Let's get trained. Let's compete by the rules, to use Paul's analogy here. Let's do that so we can know what following after Christ and having that normal Christian life looks like. Okay, this next one is a little bit different, but kind of similar. So he says, back to hard work. So let's read this. Let's talk about getting back to hard work. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Okay, so this is a bit distinct from the soldier and the athlete analogy the farmer, so think about a farmer. The farmer is someone who works really hard to do something that's honestly not too glamorous, okay? You're like working in the dirt. Um, I should have looked up like what farmers actually do, but in my mind of like a farmer, they're like working in the dirt, they're like tilling soil, they're doing all this hard work. It's not very glamorous, it's tedious, potentially boring. It's just something like you gotta do to produce, to produce this thing. And usually people don't care about you doing the work, they just care about the result that you get out of doing the work. And I think for me, and maybe for some of us here, a lot of Christians are in it for the results and not for the process of hard work. Think of it this way. If you're like me, sometimes I'll pray, 
right? I'll expect, I'll expect our prayers to, my prayers for patience, for God to answer it by just making me patient instead of by God answering it by giving me situations where I learn how to be patient. I just, wanna, I just want God to like do that for me now. I don't wanna put the hard work in. Just say, Lord, like make me patient. Lord, whatever it is. Lord, transform my mind. Lord, transform that person. But I don't wanna have a relationship with that person. Do you ever think that way? That happens to me all the time. It's like the new year, right? Um, almost every new year, I think I gave this up last year, but every new year I'm like, all right, this is the year. I'm gonna lose some weight. I'm gonna get back into uh, the other clothes in my drawer that like, I haven't been able to wear yet, right? And it just becomes a resolution. <laughs> it's, like, it's like an empty thing unless you actually put the effort and the hard work into. And so let's get back to hard work. I think what's compelling about getting back to hard work as far as it goes into the Christian life is that for the hardworking Christian worker, yeah, it's gonna be you sacrificially giving yourself to others. It's gonna be taking up your time and energy and resources, and you might go unnoticed in doing those things. But we get the first of the crops. So what is he talking about here? Well, all over scripture, uh, there's um, places in the scripture that talk about like um, what you do, what you sow, what you reap on uh, earth, what you'll be sowed in heaven and things like that. And so, yeah, they could be talking about like these spiritual um, uh, heavenly rewards or whatever you wanna say that we get in heaven for the things we do here. And I think that's part of it. But I think there's a more practical part of this for now too. Think about this. When you, if you've ever led like um, a Bible study or something like that, Maybe, maybe in your life group, you've had an opportunity to teach the scriptures, to teach the Bible. Maybe you've had an opportunity to teach another person about Jesus, maybe in discipleship. Maybe you're teaching somebody else about the scriptures. If you're, I don't know if you've done that, but if you have, um, man, you get the first of those crops. Like, even for me, like, I, I've been studying 2 Timothy, and like I said, I want to read the whole uh, letter to you because it was just so good for me to read. It was so, like, man, I, I've... I think I have gotten way more out of me studying for this than you will get out of hearing this for many reasons, but um, that, that's how it goes sometimes. So if you've ever taught the Bible for somebody and done that hard work of getting into the scriptures, man, you get to share in that first. You get blessed by that first. Your relationship with Jesus grows in that first, and that is a reward, and that is good. So I think that's interesting. So how are we getting back to the normal Christian life and the hard work that comes with it? Okay, we're gonna take a different approach now, all right? This last one, Paul's gonna talk about reflection. Okay, how do we get back to reflection? I love what he's saying here, it's so good. He says, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Okay, Paul is pretty straightforward. He seems to be saying that all of this is obtainable. You can do this. This is something that if you're following after Christ, if you wanna follow after the normal Christian life, you can do this, but you have to continue to figure this out kind of for yourself, kind of on your own. He's like, okay, think about everything I just said. I talked about this farmer analogy, this athlete, this soldier, and trust to other people, do these things. If you want to figure out how to do those things, then do what? Just reflect on what I was saying. Take it to God. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. It's like, he's like, it's that simple. You just got to like kind of contextualize it for yourself. Don't just take my words for it. Like, ask God, like, really ponder these things. Really reflect on these things. If you really want to know how to get back to discipleship, to allegiance, to training, to hard work, you really need to take the time and reflect for yourself. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't know if you've done anything like this before. Okay, this might be totally abnormal 
for you. I think this is part of the normal Christian life, though. I think uh, reflection is a big part of that. And so I'm going to kind of do this with us now, all right? I'm going to give us like a sampling of how I personally would go about uh, reflecting, and especially reflecting on this letter, okay? So what I want you to do is take what we're about to do now. It's just like less than a minute or whatever. Um, I'm going to pray, and I want you guys to just reflect with me as we're praying over these things that we've already talked about, okay? So we're just going to take some time, just like a minute or less. I'm going to pray about it. I want you to reflect on it. And what I want you to think about is how can you take that home with you? How can you let that not just be a moment here and now that we're reflecting on, but how can you use that in your own life? How could you put that on your actual calendar to do weekly or daily or monthly? You guys good with that? You guys ready? Right on. All right. Dear Lord, God, thank you that it is okay to have silence. It is okay to just take Paul's words and say, I don't know, just reflect on this. So God, as we, as we reflect on these things, I ask that you, you give us these insights. God, as I think about getting back to the normal Christian life, Lord, could you, could you tell us like, how that actually works out, how that plays out in my life and, and the people here listening's lives? Lord, as we reflect on discipleship, God, would you just evaluate me right now? What's my discipleship like with you, for real? God, am I truly following after you? Lord, I know there's probably people listening and maybe they're not following after you. God, I just pray that we would just take this time anyways and reflect and say, what would it look like to come and see what you're all about? But for those of us who do follow, Lord, give us insight into our discipleship. How can we follow you more and more? Not because we need to for salvation, but because we have you. So out of our relationship with you, how does that look? And how can we entrust that to others? Lord, are there people in our mind, coming to our mind right now, that we need to reach out to? Or that have reached out to us and we need to say, hey, here's how I'm trying to follow Jesus. Let me teach you as well. God, would you bring those people to our minds? Lord, as we reflect on this idea of allegiance, Lord, would you just show us, like, where is our allegiance at for real? Can we say that we are totally trusting and committed to you and your mission? God, would you just show me where there's areas of my life that I I stray away from this? Where there's areas of my life where I am just easily pleased with something else way different than the normal Christian life. God, would you you show us that right now in our our life for real? And Lord, to that point, where do I need training, God? What, What does it look like to follow after your rules and not just my own? Lord, in what areas of my life could I be trained more to follow after you. And in that sense, God, what does, what does hard work look like in all of that? God, okay, we get it. Paul's talking about this farmer, hardworking farmer, getting the, getting the crops, whatever all that means, right? Lord, would you give us that insight? Would you show us? Would you show me areas in my life where I am actually not hard work, where I'm idle, 
and where I could use some more like, man, I just got to get after this thing, whether it's the hard work of following after you regardless of rejection, whatever it might be. Would you just speak to us on that now? And God, as it goes to reflection, I just pray that we would consider reading through 2 Timothy and doing it in a way that maybe we haven't before, to do it in a time like this where we sit down and we ponder and we reflect, we tune out everything else, and we just say, Lord, would you give me insights into how this is going for real in my life? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, weird, weirdness scale. This is like super weird, not so, oh wait, no. This is not so weird, super weird. Where, where are we at? You guys good with that? Okay, you don't want to tell me. You don't want to hurt my feelings. That's all right. Well, I think it's fun and interesting, and I would just encourage you, just because like Paul says it, he's like, he's like, I don't know, just, just reflect on these things. Like, ask God, literally just do that. Try to figure it out. For your, you're smart people. Come on. Figure out what it means to be the hard worker, for, for, to be having your allegiance into Christ and all those things. One last point here, and, it, and it's so simple. It's getting back to Jesus. So it's simple to put it on here. It's simple to read. Not so simple in real life. So this is the point of it all. What does it look like to get back to the normal Christian life? It looks like getting back to the person of Jesus, getting back to relationship with him. So if you are a follower of Jesus, it's getting back to the love that we first had to use some Bible language. What does that mean? Well, for me, I just realized that this year I've been a Christian for 10 years. So like I've been born again, as people would say, for, for 10 years. So it's my 10-year birthday. So happy, yeah, woo. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, that's, that's weird. The weirdness level, yeah, that, okay. So uh, maybe it's not weird, it's fun, right? Been a Christian for 10 years and I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore, but that's a thing. So um, <laughs> just thinking about the Christian life and I'm like, man, I've been going at this for like 10 years and like, do I remember the love that I first had when I first met Jesus, like 10 years ago, went from completely like not knowing about Jesus, unchurched in a way, and saying, I'm going to give my life to this person. This is awesome. I, I want to read the scriptures. I got I to know what's going on here. I want to pray. I want to learn how it, what it looks like to pray. I want to tell my friends about this, that love that we first had. Are we getting back to Jesus? Something we're thinking through. Do you remember what was your normal and is now your new normal with Christ? Don't forget that. And that's what Paul says here. He says, remember, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So I don't think Paul is saying like, Timothy, you forgot Jesus, man. You forgot. I don't think he's saying that. But I think he's saying, hey, Timothy, hey, you and me, like let's not forget. Let's get back to Jesus and everything that we got going on and the hardships that come and the, the year we didn't like and the whatever it is. How are we getting back to Jesus. I love what C.S. Lewis says, uh, just another quick quote. He says, people most often need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And so when we think about that, when we think to ourselves, man, if we ever think like, oh, I just want to get back to normal, maybe we simply just need reminded, reminded that Jesus, 
who is the Christ who raised from the dead, if we are invested in that reality, then that becomes our new normal. That discipleship is our new normal. That allegiance in him is our new normal. Getting trained in hard work, reflecting on all of that. How does that become our new normal? For Paul, remembering and getting back to the person of Jesus, how, I think, he was able to suffer and endure so much. Why else would he? It's how, though he was in chains and ready for death, knowing that that was coming, saw that God's word could not be chained. That regardless of where he was at, regardless of his successes or his inadequacies, God's word is still gonna go out. I'm gonna follow after that. He was laser focused on knowing Jesus and helping others know Jesus as well. So for us, we might be going through some stuff. I'm sure we all are going through our own struggles. Maybe we've endured a lot. Maybe we're tired of enduring. And that might be forcing you to think, man, I'm looking forward or hoping and just getting back to normal. I'm looking forward to this new year. There's nothing magical about a new year. It's just a new year. Maybe we're looking forward to a stimulus, a vaccine, a a new relationship, a new job, a career, whatever it is. Maybe we're being forced into thinking, man, if I could just get back to those things or get those things. And Paul, (laughs) he's here who seems so chill and resolute on following Jesus. I mean, the dude's in prison. It's like not a sweet situation. He's gonna die. He was the one putting these people in prison, and now he's the one being imprisoned. And he's like, he just seems so chill and resolute on following and getting back to Jesus. I imagine he was still wrestling with a lot of things that we would wrestle with in our mind, like, man, is, is God really here? Does God really want this for me? Does he really want me to go through this in suffering? Do I really have to endure this much? And I, I thought this was so good. So this guy who's discipling me, I was talking over this with him, and he pointed me to Psalm 77. And I just thought, man, I think it'd be good just to read, just to read Psalm 77. So I'm not gonna put it on the board. I'm just gonna use a real-life Bible, okay? So if you have one, uh, you know, you can go there. Uh, it's like in the left of your Bible, Psalm 77. And so this was just incredible when me and him were reading this together. So this is just like me and my discipleship with this guy to you and like just feeling so much comfort in this as we were thinking through and processing like all the things that we have gone through, all the things that Paul is saying. As Paul is saying like, get back to Jesus, join me in suffering, Check this out. Psalm 77, verse one. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years long ago. I remembered my song of the night and my heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed, and the very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. 
Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Maybe for you that's something to reflect on too. You see this idea, it's, it's no stranger to the Bible, people struggling and wrestling with their situation, but saying, you know what? I'm gonna be resolute. I know what God has done. I've seen his works. I've seen his miracles. I'm gonna follow after him. Well, I'm gonna ask the band to come up and uh, I'm gonna close out with the final verses in this passage to look at real quick. And it's kind of neat. Apparently, this last part of Paul's, uh, Paul's little letter here, I, I guess this was a hymn in, uh, in tradition. So I thought it'd be cool if I sung it to you guys. Uh, I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> You're like, totally weird. Like, no good. All right, yeah, that would not be normal. So I'm not gonna sing it to you, but whatever. I guess this is a hymn, so that's cool. And he says this, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So for those that follow after Jesus, let's not just settle to get back to normal, whatever that is, but let's really evaluate and get back to what is normative of the Christian life. For many of you, you just need reminded that if you have died with Jesus, you are the most alive that you can be. (laughs) We are alive in him, which all that means is that if you've given yourself fully to him, just allow him to be Lord over your life and you are gonna feel more alive than anything else can provide to you. For many of you, you just need to be reminded to endure and persevere. Uh, Jesus is reigning, he's got you, even in your hardships. If we endure, we will also reign with him. We will reign with him. If we just endure this little amount of suffering that we have, and not to disparage suffering, it's, it's real and we have it, but he says, if you endure, you will reign with me also. Your endurance will not go overlooked by God. For others that may be uh, not following Jesus, I know Paul's language here is kind of harsh, but it, it, he says if we choose to disown Jesus, he's not gonna force himself onto you. He's not gonna force himself onto you. But he does give you a choice. He invites you to come and see what the normal Christian life is really like. He invites you to do the not normal thing, to to reach a point where you confess to Jesus that, yeah, you know, I do need this. I understand the sin that I have. I understand that, and I need to confess that, and I desire the relationship that I can have with Jesus. That's where the Christian life starts, if you have not done that before. And so reflect on that. Take time if you need to. But God, Jesus says, God is like, come and see what this is like and what it is about. For some of you, maybe you haven't disowned Jesus. Maybe you've just lost faith. Well, the good news is that Jesus cannot (laughs) disown himself. He remains faithful even when we are faithless. And for you, would you just consider what putting your faith back into Jesus looks like? Would you reflect on that? Would you take that to God and to others in discipleship? No matter where you're at today, let's consider getting back to the normal Christian life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we could just see just a small glimpse in this passage. There's so much more to the Christian life that I just pray that we would pursue, that we would pursue together. 
God, you've given us your church, you've given us this local church body here to pursue that together. We have small groups that still meet and still interact, and God, help us with that. Give us insight on what it looks like to follow after you and to live out the normal Christian life as we're thinking about this year and all that comes with that. God, speak to us. Teach us these things. We need you. For that in Jesus' name, amen.